I'm Damian Lillard, and you're listening to From the Rose Garden on the Athletic Podcast Network. Rep City! Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Rose Garden, your Portland Trailblazers podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave DeFore. And ladies and gentlemen, he is back in the (laughs) building. Elvis has returned. My man, Jason Quick, welcome back. We've missed you. I miss you, Dave. I had to talk to Danny Morang and Sean Hyken (laughs) while you were gone. Lucky you. Yeah. I mean, I, I love those guys, but I'm glad to have you back. Uh, we're going to talk about your Trailblazers survey because, I mean, I think some of this came as a shock to me when I read it. Uh, but before we do that, we are continuing our uh, our thing here at The Athletic where we're trying to highlight local businesses and, and restaurants that are still open for business during uh, this whole pandemic uh, stay-at-home thing. And Jason, you've got a good spot in Portland for us. Yeah, it's right in my neighborhood, in the Hawthorne uh, neighborhood, a Pizza Shoals. I think it's the best pizza in Portland. Uh, You can go in, pick it up. They also have growlers that you can pick up of really good beer. They had a tasty Wanderlust uh, last week. Uh, But their pizza, this is a um, husband and wife who started out as a bakery, and they kind of transformed it into a pizza joint. They used to be out in Shoals, which is up by Mount Hood. And now they're in the Hawthorne district and just the best pizza ever. I prefer the New York white and uh, a margarita half and half. They also have the best Caesar salad in Portland. So uh, hit them up there. Oh, I wish I had their exact address, but they're about on 48th or so in, in Hawthorne. Uh, great little spot, but you can call in, pick it up and even get some beer with your pizza. Uh, the address is 4741 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. Thank you. There you go. And you can call them at 503-233-1286 if you want to, you know, call and make an order. Yeah, this is I mean, this is what I'm here for, Jason. <laughs> I'm like My man. I'm John Stockton to your Carl Malone. Yes. That's it, you know, your pick and roll partner. Okay. Now, let's talk about the basketball because this survey I, I think Portland fans are among the the most diehard fans in the NBA. Is that a fair assessment from an outsider? I would think so, yeah. Yeah. It's the only game in town, small market. I mean, you know, small market fan bases are are pretty like protective of their team and but I mm-hmm. I also think Portland fans are pretty well educated on the game and and they follow the team, you know, in a way that that a lot of team team fans don't. And so Part of this uh, survey, like you talked about leadership and Terry Stotts, I mean, they, they overwhelmingly like Terry, St- Terry Stotts. He was uh, on a scale of one to 10. The overwhelming majority, close to 60 percent, had him at an eight or a nine. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, look, it, the, the results were surprising in some ways, but not surprising in others. You know, Olshay and, and Stotts both trended really well in the survey, which shouldn't be surprising because 
I mean, the Blazers have made six straight playoff appearances mm-hmm. as a small market, and they've had a lot of success. So you should like what's going on. But still, uh, especially us in the media, we hear a lot of, you hear the complaints more than you hear, boy, we really like this guy or we really think he's great. And so I was more surprised with the Neil Olshay numbers than the Terry Stoss numbers. I, I think Terry is, is beloved here. I, I would put him, you know, right up there with Jack Ramsey as far as uh, coaches who have really kind of captured and just had the full support of the fan base. I, I don't think there's a lot of people who complain about Stotts. You know, although, as I noted in the article, I think his defense is going to have to improve next year. That wasn't surprising. You know, Terry, I, I think the way he has developed players, he's got a great track record of these young guys that Olshay finds. And, and that's another thing that I, I think is really important and that I think the fans understand here is Olshay and Stotts have a great working relationship. Right. Olshay knows what kind of players work in Stotts' system. And Terry is patient enough to take some maybe flyers that Neil gets or some bargain basement guys he finds in free agency and develops them and really works with them. He, Terry built a staff that is really uh, rooted in player development and rooted in the minor leagues. I think every single coach on Terry Stott's staff has either played or coached in the G league uh, or, or some minor league form. So that's really tells you that they're rooted in the fundamentals and in making players better. So Olshay and Stotts, I think have a really great working relationship where they, there's kind of a pull and tug where they uh, complement each other very well. So it didn't surprise me that Terry uh, rated so highly. I mean, an eight and a nine, he's got to be ecstatic with that. And I, I think that's well-deserved. I, I think he's I done agree. a very good job coaching this, this group. Well, and you know, uh, an, an example of, of Terry trusting Neil, not with a young player, but how about Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza? I yes. Mean, I mean, he really didn't have much of a choice, but, but again, though, two guys that, you know, in, in recent memory, haven't been the most coachable. I mean, Ariza has had, or at least it, it appeared like he had effort issues in Phoenix and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And Carmelo, like we all know that story, and, and still, you know, yeah. Neil, Neil, I mean Terry, trusted Neil enough to, you know, to yeah, make that know, work. I see what you're saying, but I put that more on the players and the culture mm-hmm. that has been established here, and that I think Neil doesn't get enough credit for how much he is behind the culture here of making everything. Uh, players first and setting up the players to succeed of hiring staff that is about player development, creating the practice facility that is incredibly player friendly. I mean, from having a, you know, the, the workout area, the H and P, the health and performance areas uh, that help the players to having a barbershop in there, you know, players can get their haircut at the facility. Just little things like that. There's a great culture here. And I think when veterans like Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza are dropped into it, they feel comfortable and they, uh, you know, don't have a problem, you know, because I talked about this with with Trevor Ariza. He didn't have anything bad to say about Sacramento, Mm -hmm. but 
it was a different environment, a different ask of him in Portland than it was in Sacramento. In Sacramento, you got a bunch of young kids who are trying to get their first big contract, trying to make their name become established. In Portland, he didn't have to deal with players that I think the players in Portland played the right way more so than in Sacramento. And that fits a veteran's style more so. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I completely understand. He's built a a, a player first environment and um, has catered to needs that maybe they didn't even realize that they needed in the practice facility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Olshay it's, you're talking about Olshay, Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, I think, like you, like you said before, it, it is a player first mentality. And, and even Neil Olshay, like he's not the face of the team, like some other GMs. I mean, Damian Lillard is, is the face of the team. No question. No question. But I think if, if you're around this team and you're kind of in it, like the way I'm in it, where you're, you see the inner workings and you uh, interact. You cannot, I cannot state enough how important Neil Olshay is to this organization. He is the guy running this. I mean, every single detail of this organization goes through Neil. I think it's a very well-run organization. I think he does a great job. And, it, and let's just get at the heart. I, I think the most surprising thing for a lot of people was how Neil uh, graded out in this survey. Uh, agreed. I it, mean, it was that, it, and then the CJ stuff, which we'll get to. Yes. But Neil, for sure, because it's the vocal minority, you know, um, yeah. in the media, and also, you know, from the fan base, that it just they hammer Neil for things that are oftentimes out of his control, and he's, you know, he's so often trying to scramble to, you know, this year with all the injuries, and it's like, well, yeah. he did a pretty good job of helping to cover those injuries. It's just, you know, you're limited in what you can do. Well, this is the thing with Neil. Look, he is incredibly smart. I, I, I still think he is the brightest GM that Portland's had in the last 20 years. I mean, I, I thought Bob Witsit was really, really sharp and, and really smart. And I, I think Neil's right there, if not better. But the thing that has rubbed people wrong the wrong way is Neil is not the greatest in press conferences. He has been condescending he's been defensive and that has rubbed people the wrong way so i i think i think if neil could just <laughs> get out of his own way yeah. and uh you know be a little bit more uh be le less defensive then he would come across better but i think the people who really know basketball and see what he's done have a respect for what what he's accomplished here and, and what he continues to do. The thing about Neil that I think some GMs don't have is he always has a plan and it's a long-term plan. It's not just, this is what we're doing next year. He's got things mapped out three, four years down the road. And I think he's been very shrewd. I think his, you can't argue with his eye for talent. I think he's been very, very good in the draft. And I think he's made some really savvy trades. Where he's gotten hurt is, uh, and where people continue to hammer him is, is in free agency. He had, you know, the summer of 2016 where he had a bunch of cap space and he didn't hit a home run and everyone wanted a home run. He ended up with Evan Turner and he said, he's had some other weird kind of forays with Roy Hibbert, Greg Monroe. Uh, you know, 
he's chased some guys who in retrospect, you're like, glad he didn't get (laughs) right. You know, uh, it's tough, though, because it is Portland. It's not L.A. It's not New York. And so, you know, you have to grade it on a curve, which I know people don't really like to do. You don't like to give people the benefit of of the doubt when they're in these positions of power. But the reality at home is that it is Portland. And you're not like you're not in the running for Anthony Davis. Right. It just it just isn't going to happen. And, and I think he started to go, getting back to that culture. I, and it takes time to develop a culture and it takes time f- for the league to take notice. But I think the players are starting to recognize and understand that it's different here in Portland in a good way. That, that it is a place that you maybe want to come to and experience. You know, we saw Pau, Pau Gasol uh, made that decision. A bunch, of, a bunch of other guys who had been pursued by Portland and they turned away in previous years are now going, yeah, you know what? I think I would like to do that. Part of that success, but part of it too is word of mouth and, and seeing how people and players are are happy here. This is like an unstated benefit of bringing in Carmelo and having yeah. him not only flourish, but I mean, he he embraced it and yep. he was embraced. Carmelo is a that's a good spokesman to have when you want someone talking about your team, your facilities, your culture, you know, your fan base. Style guys, play. Guys listen to him. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to be going into free agent meetings with Carmelo Anthony as a pitch man. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's not what I mean. But like when when guys are considering their options. Well, Carmelo might be a guy that they, you know, hey, let me shoot Melo a text and ask mm-hmm. him about it. And it certainly seems like he really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think he did. And again, I, I, I think this, if you're serious about basketball, then Portland has established itself as a, as a pretty attractive destination. If you're concerned with, you know, weather and nightlife and hot women, then Portland's probably not for you. And Portland probably doesn't want you if that's what you, what is important to you. But if you're about winning and you're about basketball and you're about being part of a team, then Portland has established itself that, Hey, this is where you want to go. And I think the right kind of players are starting to recognize that. Yeah. You're going to put that on a billboard now. I hope you know that. (laughs) If you're not worried about hot women, come to Portland. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, the roster, uh, talking about free agency. And I was pleasantly surprised. The fan base actually sees this team really could use some three and D wings. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of been the Achilles heel during the entire uh, Damian Lillard era outside of how many seasons of Batum were there? With Dame, with Dame, uh, three or four. Yeah, outside of that, uh, they really have missed that guy. We, I mean, we talked about Ariza being one of the better guys that they've had. Yeah, and you know, a lot of this is going to depend on how Rodney Hood recovers from his Achilles, right? You know, because Rodney was having a great year, not only offensively, defensively, he was very valuable to this team defensively because he could guard the two, three, and four. You know, he doesn't want to guard the four, but they asked him to at times this year, but. I personally think they need to get deeper at the big, at the four and five, 
you know, I, I think with Ariza, if they bring back Ariza, which I think they will, with Ariza and uh, Hood and even Nasir Little, I think they're okay at three. You know, you, you couldn't hurt to to bring in another guy, but where are you going to fit him in with, with Hood and Ariza? That, I think that gets a little tricky, but I think, again, I, I, I thought more people would vote for depth at big man because after Nurkic and Collins, you're, you're really looking thin. And I just, I really don't see them bringing Hassan Whiteside back. I, I, I don't know that. I haven't been told that. I haven't even been, nobody's even hinted anything. So I, I don't know where Olshay or Stotts or even any of the players stand on, on the Hassan Whiteside issue, but I just don't think he's a great fit for this team, for the style of play. You know, I thought he had a, a fine season. I, I don't think, I don't think his season was as good as his numbers indicate. Right. Obviously, when you look at the Blazers' record and their defensive rating, so I, I just don't see them paying the money that he's probably going to command. You don't pay that kind of money to a backup. Right. He would. He would. He's going to get too much money, I think, on the open market, and it doesn't mean he's going to get twenty million, but. You know, anything over like seven. And I don't think the, the Blazers. Yeah, I think he'll probably be around 15 million. Probably. Yeah, some team is going to pay him because, you know, the numbers do look impressive. And and he showed flashes, but I'm just not convinced that he's going to be able to do that uh, for another yeah. team. Um, CJ McCollum, you asked if they should trade him, basically, if they could get a fair offer. Yeah. And I got to say, I am shocked that almost 60% of people that responded would just trade CJ. Is that, and is that about wanting to complete the team or is it fans kind of not turning on CJ, but just not thinking they can get it done with the Dame CJ combo? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all that. Look, I, I think CJ is still very popular in Portland, but I think there's two different views. Nationally, I think people view CJ as you know, Damien's co-star and his, uh, his Robin to, to Dame's Batman. But locally, people are a little more critical of CJ because uh, they've endured some, the ebbs and flows of his game. And I think that most people realize that the way from this team, which right now, if everyone's healthy, is a very good team. But for the way, the easiest way for it to become great is to trade CJ because he's the most attractive piece with some money behind his contract that that's the best avenue for them to get better. So I don't think it's, there's a, a bunch of people, you know, picketing going trade CJ, <laughs> right. but they realize that he's the best, he's the best piece for them to get better. And he is a little bit redundant when you talk about having him alongside uh, Dame. And then also they have a, a readily available backup plan if they do trade him. I mean, Gary Trent Jr.'s he's emergence ready. this year, Anthony Simons, uh, I still think he's going to pop here, if not next year, the the year after. So they have some options there where they could plug a guy in and, and be okay. You know, if you talk about trading CJ for a big time three or a big time four. So that's what I think those numbers showed. I, I don't think there's uh you know, a huge upswelling of discontent with CJ. Do you think uh, a CJ McCollum trade is in any way realistic this summer? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I think I've said on this podcast before, I mean, 
Neil Olshay loves <laughs> CJ McCollum. <laughs> yeah. Loves him. Yeah. And uh and he is very defensive and gets kind of angered when people bring up the the trade CJ stuff. And 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 that's the thing is like I I thought that last year after the game seven performance that CJ had that a lot of that talk would have been quelled. But I, I was really surprised that it was 60% that said CJ. And I was also surprised that CJ wasn't the second most popular guy on the team, uh, that it was Yusuf Nurkic. That that really surprised me in, in the margin of that. I mean, I think Yusuf had 44% of the vote and yeah. CJ was 32 or something like that. So. I, I think Nurkic is just such a large personality, you know, yeah. with the crowd. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I will say this. Doc Rivers traded Austin. Yeah. So <laughs> certainly, you know, Neil, Neil and CJ could still, you know, they could still be close if, even if he moved him. Um, and uh, to close, I, I, I want to discuss the greatest blazer, according to the survey. Stunned. Damian Lillard. Uh, I've been saying this. I think Damian Lillard is the greatest blazer ever. No I, disrespect. I think he will go down. I yeah. Do. No disrespect to Bill Walton. By the way, Clyde Drexler just wasn't really that good of a basketball player. I, like, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He he was good at the time, but like, he just you know, you go back and you watch it. It's like, no, man, no. You you this guy, no. He was okay. He was fine, but I not that great. He's not that great. He's Damian good defender, Lillard, good passer. Uh, okay, yeah. But <laughs> I I just don't think he was that good. Uh, but the yeah, thing D- that surprised the greatest. Me. Yeah, the thing that surprised me, two things surprised me. One, that it was 55% said Dame. And two, this wasn't a bunch of uh, millennials voting. I mean, I think, you know, a large majority of the people I asked, uh, how long have you been a fan? Most of them became a fan during the Clyde era. And so this is a lot of long-term diehard Blazer fans who are voting for Dame. So I, I I was really stunned by not only the margin, but you know th- this was a lot of longtime older fans who you would think that would hold on to to Clyde's greatness and the great glory runs that the the Blazers had, but they they see they see Dame as the greatest, and that was that was surprising. They're correct, and one of the things that that has come up, obviously we've talked about it all year. Um, but with, you know, with the guests the last few weeks, it's just the way that Dame has he, he resonates with his fan base in a way that's special and unique. He's the full package. Right. Uh, you know, because he he takes time to put himself out in the community. And, and there's so much stuff that he does that is not for the cameras and not for articles. I've had people tell me about uh, him driving driving by and kids are playing basketball in their driveway and he'll stop and, and shoot with them or uh, learning that somebody on his street was having a birthday and he would just pop by and do a surprise cameo appearance at, at their birthday party, stuff like that. And it's, it's not for a story. And I've asked him about that and he's like, yeah, I do that, but I don't want it out there because that's not why I'm doing it. Right. And, you know, so it's that kind of stuff in addition to, you know, the special Olympics and the respect program that he has at high schools where he actually goes and interacts with the students and gives speeches and follows up and gives, you know, monthly awards to kids who are getting better grades or have a perfect attendance record, stuff like that. That resonates within a community and that forms a connection. And 
there's not a player that I've been around uh, that gets it and puts more effort into it and who is more real than, than Damien. So uh, that's why I, I think eventually he's going to, th- there'll be a no brainer that, that if we did this poll 10 years from now, I, I think, you know, 98% will say he's the greatest blazer of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think he already is. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Go check out the, the fan survey. It's very interesting. And also Jason is taking walks down memory lane. So check out all that stuff too. And we'll be back Both next week with more from the Rose Garden. Both things play hard. Both things play hard. God bless and good night.